Hey, it's Scott with Leading Edge Archery. Welcome, folks, to another edition. Going to wrap up fully. We said we weren't going to do that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Feel the same way. Bridger's over here smirking with his shitty... It was fun. Oh, yeah, it was blessed. It was, it was a blast. I love archery. I have to tell myself that every day. I do, too. Is that why you just, like, bailed on work the last two days to go fish? I have no idea. Yeah, and what sucks is we sucked so bad. I think we caught like what ten bass the whole week. It sucked. Do you not use no, the right kind of bubble gum? Twelve? No, maybe twelve. Huh? Do you not use the right type of bubble gum or what? <laughs> yeah, it was just horrible. Should have brought a loaf of bread. And I knew it was going to be bad, and I didn't want to go. My good buddy Brandon begged me. So, so I, yeah, we went from sucking at archery to sucking at bass fishing. Well, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, you double sucked. Yeah, dude, it was bad. My lord, that's because you good, didn't man. take your own boat. What? Yeah, yeah, might be that you joke. So I did learn one thing. Let's, let's talk about bass fishing for a little bit for those people that are enthusiasts. I learned one thing that I'm not going to do. I'm not jumping on this bandwagon. You ever heard of a live scope or active yeah. target? Yeah. yeah, that's never going to be on my boat ever. Why? Because it's too easy to catch. Fish. No, it's apparently so. Not. <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not going to rag on Brandon, but I will. It'll seem like ragging on, but. You spent, he spent 16 hours with his head buried in that screen, literally. And I mean, and if, and then, so you, and you'd, you'd mark fish that you think are bass. I think some of them were carp personally, because you know, you throw well, to bass a, are green carp, <laughs> you know, you throw to a carp, they, they usually run away from mm -hmm. bait. They don't like it. Or we would pull up and we'd see something on the screen and, you know, he'd make a comment Well, it looks like. They're afraid of the boat. They're, you know, we're too close. And that was a carp, in my opinion. Um, so you just don't know what it is, but you'll spend hours on that. Yeah. Um, you'll stay in one location for hours. I'm a, I am cover water. I, I was telling Braden, I would have had a troll motor in high and I would have been, I'd have covered miles of bank. And yes, I'd have been, I think I could have caught five or six bass doing that. Um, we he caught a giant five and a half pounder. Bass was awesome, but. I don't know. Head buried in the screen, and me and Braden were in the back, kind of like just, you know. For, we and that's well, that's what sucks. For if you take someone with you and your head's buried there, the other guy, it's miserable. Yeah, we were just sitting there casting, yeah, in the open water. Nothing. I, I mean, I was sitting crisscross on the back of the boat, just kind of throwing a little Texas rig out there because I was like, I don't know what I'm throwing at anymore. <laughs> yeah, so I'm exactly. just hoping at this point because he's seeing fish down there on the live scope. I can't see crap. So no, we couldn't see anything. It was it was crazy. You should have just gone to the bait store and got some night crawlers. Okay, you joke. Hook some bobbers. He almost on. got some stuff for crappie. I, I almost bought like four or five minnows. dozen minnows. You I know should have. Right now, crappie are probably killing it. Exactly. They're spawning <laughs> getting right now. Come, getting ready to come up on beds and spawn. Yeah. We, I'm surprised you didn't do that the second day after. We pulled, we seen some trees that were loaded full of fish, and he's like, man, I don't know what. I'm like, I got another. They're crappie. They're spawning. And crappie and bluegill. You would at least had something to eat now. Him. Exactly. I mean, it would have been fun, but then, I don't know. And then, like, you know, we... Towards the end of the day, yesterday, we pulled up into, I kind of had, for about a brief second, I got control of the troll motor, so I went straight to this little point that was coming out that I knew, I thought fish were going to be moving up, because the water temperature was like 49, it sucked in the morning. Got up to about 56, I think it was, that yeah. afternoon. So I'm, you know, history tells me the bass are going to move up into shallow water, start, you know, take advantage of the comfort. And I flipped into a bush and got bit right away, missed, and then... Braden right behind me, flipped in the same bush, <laughs> smoked him, big three pounder, which was awesome. And then which I'm is making, fine because you've caught plenty of those. That's a personal best for me. Yeah, so. that was his personal best, which was kind of cool. 
So then I'm thinking, oh my God, we're going to go up in this, in this wood and I'm just going to start, we're going to start wearing on them. Nope. Live scope. Right down the bank where we seen the big ones down there. And I was like, oh my God, I will not have one of those. Because when I do, I'll quit fishing. I'm, I'll be looking in the video screen all day. You'll end up like Brandon. Yeah. I'm, that's not happening. That's why I like saltwater. If you, if you can't catch your targeted species, you just throw out squid yeah. and everything eats squid. <laughs> You joke. I'm going to catch a hard head today. Yeah. I tell you what, though. I mean, and so the other thing is that you've got, a, you know, so we're there on a Wednesday and a Thursday. Mm-hmm. At the ramp there, there was probably 50 to 60 boats at one ramp. Wow. Probably that many at the other ramp and the other two. I figure probably 300 boats in the lake. And they were everywhere, running everywhere. On a Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah, but this is the first, like, really good weather we've had. As far as consistent, going from like first thing in the morning, to yeah, the, yeah, to late at night, it's I mean, it's been gorgeous. But no, we talked to them at the they said it's been like this non stop for the last two months. So there's you know, there's a guy on the internet, God, I hate to even still talk about it, but Josh Jones Fishing, and he's from Oklahoma and he's been down there for almost two months. And this guy's caught like five fish over 12, caught a 17, almost a lake record. Um, yeah, I mean, giants, and but they're all on that live scope system, mm-hmm. and because of that. The lake's getting pressured like crazy. Like they're, they have little hotels there, and there's three different places you can stay. They're all booked out through mid-April, right now. I mean, you can't you can't stay stay any time. That lake's gonna suck by the summertime. It, it, two years is gonna be done. Yeah. No, yeah, I all, it, for, all for a fish you can't even eat. Yeah, I mean, I mean you can. Everyone, I mean, I have. It's just like just I, not well, the that's best. I mean, I get why it's so popular. A, I mean, not trying to be a dick to everybody that likes bass fishing, but it's an easier fish to catch, and they are they're fun to catch. I mean, they're fun to catch. You, well, hook, in, and you, you can, hook into a six seven pounder like it's blast. Mm-hmm. I ain't saying it ain't fun, but but you know, the thing is though is that you got so Lake Amistad it happened when mm-hmm. we went there on the tour a long time ago back in the eighties. It got so popular that so many people started going. The got fish got overpressured. Yeah. Over, it's a, and now it sucks. It's like the Dead Sea. It's like Falcon Lake. I mean, Falcon Lake gets a lot of pressure. Yeah, but not like this lake. Dude, this lake right now is... So we talked to a guide. He said that on the weekends, you have to park a quarter mile away from the ramp, like pull your boat off the highway, and then walk to the boat ramp. He said that you, every point, every cove, every cut has got a boat in. It's like you kind of just wait around your turn. And he said it's like he doesn't even like going on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. He said it's just ridiculous. I mean, it, it was bad last two days. Yeah. I mean, and every day it was a little better because I think a lot of people got sick of Wednesday. They're like, it was terrible and they just went home. But well, and now, still, so, there was a lot of people. And here's what's happening. So, because it's Josh Jones fishing, another guy named Ben Milliken. You know, Milliken, I got, I got him credit. He has actually came out and publicly said, look, I'm not posting more pictures of fish I catch there. Um, I'm probably not even fishing there. I know for a fact he's over in East Texas fishing a different lake because he knows that he's going to, he didn't want to help destroy that lake which is what's going to happen. That lake is going to be done in two years because of the pressure. Um, but what they're doing is at LifeScope, they will go out there and fish all day for one bite, one 12 to 15 pound bite or, you know, the fish of a lifetime. And that's, I mean, dude, you can see boats everywhere out in that open water and they're all, there's two guys in the front, heads buried down in that screen. They never even lift their head and they're just doing this the whole day. It's crazy. I mean, and every guy like you a see. good strategy if you want to catch a 17-pound fish, though. 100%. If you were looking, for, and that's what people are doing now, they're going there to catch the fish of a lifetime. It's their, you know, their personal best, whatever you want to call it. And they'll go out there and grind it out for days on end, and I can't do that. 
I was losing. Just take the joy out of fishing. Too short of an attention span. You want to hear something crazy? I actually fell asleep on the deck (laughs) yesterday. Dude, he was sawing logs. I I mean, I was I was so bored. I was like, I can't do this. I gotta. Takes you back to when you're fishing on tour. You'd catch five fish and just all right. See ya. Yeah, I'm going to sleep. (laughs) Exactly. So, anyways, it was cool, but it was also I. I hate fishing like that. I hate those conditions. I don't. I hate this is that transitional time of year where the fish are. You know, they don't know what they want to do. They want to go spawn. Exactly. Exactly. By the way, did you see the picture I sent you? You didn't get it? Bro. When did you see it? I sent you the most classic, I thought for sure. Because we always hear about this. Oh, the the perch The perch, yeah. Yeah. Because nobody knows. So everybody in Florida calls a bluegill a perch. So I get... Disrespect in the name. Exactly. That's that's a hammer. It's a pretty decent sized perch. I mean, I would... On the short end of a hammer. I know what a bluegill is, and I know what a perch is. Well, that's a perch. Yeah. And so what happens is, I said, Bridger's going to take a... No, this is a freaking perch, (laughs) not a bluegill. (laughs) Bluegill's a panfish. Yeah. Perch is kind of a panfish. I I call it pan because it looks like a pan. It does. Oh, you get a big one. It looks like Mm -hmm. a pan. Yeah. Anyhow. So So, anyways, I went fishing for two days because I suck so bad in Foley. So good reset? Huh? Good reset. No, it's going fishing. Because it's okay. fishing too. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, sometimes when when you come off a tournament, it's good to reset. I yesterday was the first time I shot my bow since we got back. Really? And I was I was being a the biggest nerd. Bridger came over there and he was like, "Stop being a nerd." <laughs> oh, dude, he had like spreadsheets, eight <laughs> different kinds of arrows, two different bows, standing in front of the chronograph, trying oh, to figure out speed. Oh my and all this god, shit. are you kidding me? I mean, I got Which it. Which is funny because. Dude, we shoot the known class. Who cares how fast your bow is? I'm yeah, sorry, I'd be more man. worried about the work, whether the arrow hits behind the so, pin or not. And that's the thing. I'm just trying so, to find something that holds the best for me. So here's why I'm recapping. I wanted to recap. So I, I shot pro class for the first time in, God, two decades, which was probably the dumbest thing ever. But I'll tell you what I learned. That's fine. If you don't have a bow that holds on the bonus ring, mm-hmm. you you're, you might as well just stay at the house. It's not a play. It's not, you can't play the game no. near as much as no. other classes. And I ain't saying like other classes aren't shooting as high <coughs> scores and stuff, but dude, uh, dude, Gross shot 17 out, out of 20, 20 bonus rings. On the second day. You can't tell me that he was, that you're not aiming at every single bonus Bro, ring. Yeah. Or sh- like trying to play the game, aiming connectors at and taking yardage off and just happened to hit 17 of them. Like you are putting it on the number and going for and it, putting your pen on the twelve ring and pulling the trigger. Yeah. Like, so I shot with that guy Ted. Do you know him, Treslowski? Yeah, TJ, TJ, TJ. Yep. That boy went on a. He shot thirteen in a row on the first day. On the first on day first with day. me, I mean, just like a machine. Yeah. And uh, and him and I was shooting with Glenn Boardwell also from mm-hmm. Elite, and like I learned, like I said, two big things. Number one, if your bow does not hold on that bonus ring. Stay home because you're not going to get it. You're not going to sit there and do the old thing like we do in indoor, which is, you know, let the pin float around. You need to let it float around. Let's I mean, the it'll X. dance a little bit, but it's definitely, but it's, it, it's a different it can't type of very aim. far. No, <laughs> yeah. but it's a different type of aiming. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, oh, I, I guess the best way I can describe it, indoors is much more of a passive aim. Yeah. Whereas at that, <clears> you're actively aiming at a toy well, ring or at mm-hmm. a, at a particular arrow or off to the side. You can't deviate as much at 20 yards, but at 50, yeah, it's glaring. Then it becomes a big problem when you're starting to float all over the 10 ring. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and the second thing I noticed was these guys don't spend a lot of time behind the pin 
on the, in the shot. I mean, it's draw, get there, let her rip. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, I, I, and I was hanging up pretty bad all day Saturday. Like, I just couldn't get a freaking release of fire. And even Boardwell's like, bro, lighten that damn thing up. I mean, jeez. I mean, I generally, I would say, like, I would almost always extend my release or make my release a little bit longer for 3D because it takes me an extra second or two to get onto the spot. To find your spot, yeah. Um, this year, I, I just left it the same as what I'd been shooting inside. And, like, I actively aim for maybe half or three quarters of as long as I would aiming at a three spot or five spot. Right. And I mean, this is probably the best I'd shot at a three Bro, in well, the last couple of years. Yeah. You were fucking on fire. Excuse me. God, can I say that? Yeah. You're on fire. Just gonna shot put well. A big I mean, e. the first day, actually, it's funny. I shot ASA for like four or five years now. And Friday was the first clean round I ever shot. Bro. Well, first yeah, round I ever no shot mistakes. with no eights. No eights, mm-hmm. no mistakes. And that one was just like slow and steady. Like I'd hit two in a row, missed, shoot two 12s, shoot two 10s, shoot one 12, shoot a 10. Like well, I never got on like a huge run, but. So as mad as I was, because I was so ticked off day two. But the reason I was mad though is because I, I, I literally did not hit one of those targets under 30 for a 12. And you can't do that at that level. You've got to get those. Those are gimmies. And when I shot that cat on target 10, that damn cheetah or whatever. The, the leopard, leopard. The leopard. And I had an 8.5 liner. That's what I was saying. It was so hard at that lower. And I knew, I don't know what happened. It just went there. I didn't say another word. And I had 10 targets left. Literally didn't say one word. I was so pissed off. I could not see straight. Yeah. I went straight to, from the target to, to my phone, phone and sat on my chair. Because yeah. if not, I was going to go nuclear. Yeah. I was boiling inside. Like we just talked about this whole, you know. The whole call it anger management, yeah. dude. Let me tell you, there was if there you got to shake my hand or pat me on the back for one thing. I wanted to break every arrow. I wanted to break that bow. I, I you cannot understand how mad I was after that one. I couldn't see straight. I mean, red. I wonder how mad you would have been if you were two points out of the shoot off and then shot <clears> zero. I I don't know how you handled that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you were shooting so good though. It had to be almost a laughing matter. I, I mean, I, I, I didn't laugh, but you had to cried be. a little bit. Inside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like hearing a $10,000 well, check go whistling through. The what's place. funny is I talked to you, I think after 10, I mean, that's when we kind of caught each other in that corner of 10 and 11 and 12. And just talking to you, I turned came, we came back to my guys and I was like freaking Bridger's on fire. He's hammering. Cause you were in that mood. I could just I was tell. Shooting good. I, shot, really I mean, good. I hit the first three, shot 10, hit two more. I was... I think it was 12 up after 10. You were 12 and up, then I talked I shot, to you. yeah. I shot an 8, or I shot a 10 and an 8, then <clears> hit a 12 <throat> to get it back, and then it was like a third, going from a 37-yard, I can't even remember. It was what a blessed buck. I think it was, it was a blessed buck. buck. Yes. Hit that one, and then the next one was a 49-yard links. Yep. And I looked, ranged it, rangefinder said 49, went to turn my sight, and I'm like, oh, a 4. The, the, the one underneath that's a 9, so that's 49. <laughs> Oh my yeah, so, god! And that I mean, I could literally with that one. Oh yeah, I could literally see the twelve ring like haloed around my pen when it fired, and I'm if that arrow's halfway down there, and I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, now we're back in it, we're right there, and then I heard it skipping through the grass. Mm. <laughs> Jason did it twice. <laughs> he's over when here, I say I know he's you, over here. Smirking. When I say I know your yeah, feeling, dude. I know your feeling. <laughs> Minus, I, minus, I wasn't anywhere close to being in the what's lead. What's crazy is I can 
I mean, I don't even need my whole hand to count how many times I've done that shooting a field course. Mm-hmm. And I've done it 10 times the amount of that in shooting 3D. that 3D. Cut, oh, you 3D did it last year at OPA or year before last? Well, that I didn't technically misset it. I set well, it to the number I wanted. Your, it just yeah, wasn't the wasn't right, right target. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but like I, I did it in London a year or two ago. Same, same exact target too as the links. On no way. Too. Yeah. And then, I mean, but it's all, it's never by five yards or it's never by, you it's know, by 10 it's where I'm, you know, instead I'm doing 32 instead of 37 or something. Or, or half acid. Well, or if it was a close target, you might still catch a five high in the back or low in the gut. Oh no. I, every time it's I've said it, that sucker is Gone. a foot over or <laughs> a, a foot, foot under. under. <laughs> yeah. I had I, a couple of times in Paris last year. Gosh. I think I got lucky but, and hit a leg on a bear one time. I said that. I said that. Time, I I set that shammy to forty five instead of thirty five. I mean, it went straight over. Just yeah. No, the Blesbuck. Well, the Blesbuck was a good one. Was it the Blesbuck that you missed? One of those. High as crap, I, I shot with Pettit on the second day. He missed set a set twice and still shot two fives. I would have much rather had that than. Yeah, no kidding. Right? <laughs> well, no shit. Yeah, get a five at least. God, that sucks, man. Because you were shooting good. I mean, Bridger and uh, actually all the girls shot amazing. Um, on yeah, our your team. wife shot great. Yeah. Yeah, Courtney Broussard shot actually her contemplating, first one ever. I'm contemplating quitting and, and just becoming her a caddy. caddy. Yeah, do the caddy thing. <laughs> yeah, she made. Well, hell, I told you you need to put a sidecar on your chair. She made me. She made me money. Yeah, she did huh? on she two did. events. Yeah. Oh, she because she did well at the GPO. GPO. Yeah, she placed fifth <laughs> in the GPO. The funny thing is, she wanted to shoot in, in our group, mm-hmm. and so they she shoots K40. So they had her shoot in the, the K50 side, side right? That and then they placed, put her, score, they put her score in K40, which put her in fifth. But if it would have been in the K50 side, she would have tied for third. Yeah. Dude, girl was on fire, I mean, like this week. Well, hell, I should have shot the GPO again because Ellenson won, yeah. won or got tied for first or no, something. No, he, he like, got first. Yeah, with How? like 14 up. 14. At GPO? Yeah. Oh, he shot that before he shot with us. Destin, Destin, Destin placed third. Ch- he got he cut a check with like twelve or ten. Yeah, because me and Chris tied the second day, so he shot Every, that another time. Everybody yeah. sucked at GPO. Dude. Apparently Thursday's like, I mean that really would have been the first scoring arrows that anybody shot in six months at a three D target. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. anybody. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, anybody. It was crazy. It was a good time though. Yeah, it was, no, it was. It was okay. I mean, I, I maybe I just look at things differently, dude. I'm Fucking telling you, sour. I am, but what you know, so I want to. I actually went back and looked at my cards. So I actually had some semblance of I did okay because I only shot seven eights. I just shot a bunch butt of tens. load of tens. Yeah, a buttload. No fives, seven eights, five, uh, th- four twelves for the weekend, and that's why I couldn't find a tw- twelve ring to save my life. But I couldn't hold on them. So I shot a lot of IBOs because mm-hmm. I was I could hold middle, but as soon as I dropped down or went up, I could not stay there. Why do, you, why do you think I sit there and aim at one inch black dots at fifty yards? You know, you joke, and that's two what. Before <clears throat> 3D well, and the other thing I learned too is I had out of those eights, you know, we had I think I had one with you. As a matter of fact, I I did it on your freaking arrow. I had three glance outs for eights that I made the shot, and Jason's arrow did it on one of them. I was ready to kill him. It was my fault, but yeah. He was your freaking arrow. Better See, points. That's one th- I didn't have, he's got those ballistics. So I didn't have any glance outs. Man, I had here. three. And wait, even, even my day two group, it was me, Perkins, Chekorowski, uh, Pettit. And Chekorowski came out of nowhere. He shot, he shot really well. 
Yeah. He clutched up like last. He hit the last three targets to make sure you down. Really? And our last target was a. Uh, what was that thing? It's like a forty-eight yard grazer, forty-eight yard deer. That grazer, dude. Mm-hmm. That shot Eight. sucked. And I mean, we gave him a couple good marks, but he fucking stuffed it. It was impressive. And he, I mean, he had to hit that one to make it. Hey, I did the whitest thing ever. I mean, the nicest thing ever. The uh, whitest <laughs> thing. Yeah, the whitest thing. I mean, the nicest thing ever. A TJ need he wanted to be twenty six. We had two targets left. We got on that turkey that was like twenty six yards, mm-hmm. and he was last. And Boardwell and the other two guys blowed out the lower uppers wide open. I went. I got up, turned around, and said, "Hey Ted, you want twelve, right?" And he goes, "Yeah." He, I mean, I said, "You needed twelve. And I said, "I'll lay up on this one. I'm nowhere to be found, anyways." I just shot IBO. Let him have the upper all by himself. You should have just aimed at the top of it, well, and then you can give him a backboard. I, dude, I wasn't shooting good enough. Trust me. <laughs> you would have shot a five. I would have shot a five high. Yeah. It, what's What's funny is <laughs> he wasted no. He, Scott wasted his one good like release tantrum that first day. He, oh yeah. He's sitting there. <laughs> he's holding. He's holding. I, me finally sitting in the back, going, "He needs to slow down. He needs to slow down." Pops the shot and just turns around and goes. Fuck and throws his release up in the air, and Glenn and I look at each other and look at him. We're like, "Dude, it's a 12. <laughs> like, dude, you wasted your one good one on a twelve. That right. was I, so I, much luck, dude. I didn't throw it. What I did is I just kind of, you know, like you do. Oh, I just kind of threw air. it up in the air like yeah. this, like God dang it, you know, and caught it when it come back down. And I turn around like, well, there's a freaking eight, and they were like, yeah, bro, it's a twelve. And I'm like, there's no way mathematically on planet Earth. That arrow should be in that bonus ring. <laughs> better be lucky than good. So. Dude, yeah. you joke. I mean, pure luck. I had a lot of those. I was throwing that bow straight up in the air trying to get the get the pin up. God, that was hard. But, you know, at that level, compared to when I shot it back in the day, it wasn't known, of course. Those guys are so good. They just don't miss. I mean, like you said, Gross shot 17 out of 20 the last day. And that second day was... It was, That's a tough course. It was. I mean, I thought it was tough. That first target, target number one, at seven thirty in the morning, you're staring yeah, into the, the gates, the, staring into the sun. That's the only. And I remember talking to uh, what's the guy, guy's name that bought that half of the ASA. Why do I always forget his name? The guy that bought Grimes. Oh, yeah, Grimes. Grimes. Yeah. So we were talking to him, which a. Like the first pro safety meeting thing was hilarious. That was it savage. Was. Jack Wallace was uh, savage. Jack, uh, why don't we just raise our hands? Oh, I don't got time to count them. Uh, uh, really? Probably not going to have to count them. <laughs> no, it's going to be pretty obvious, bud. <laughs> For the drop score, but we were talking to him. I think it was, I don't know if it was before our first or second scoring round, but he had mentioned, I had said like, man, it'd be okay. We did the whole rate, ha- raising hands thing. Can we do that for, you know, not having to shoot at, Seven thirty in the freaking morning. Well, they have to do that so that they can get all the amateurs off the course in time to get to allow people to shoot come off. watch the shoot off. Right, it's that or push the shoot off back. So, right, what he had said is what we'll probably do, end up doing is go to two different courses and half. You know, you got course A, course B, two pro courses, and half half of each group shoots A, half of each group shoots B on the first day, and then you flip flop. Which I'd be fine with. At 9 o'clock. 9 or 10 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Not they, 7 freaking 30. They would just literally add two more courses. Yeah, that's Which a, I'd be that's fine an easy with. One. Well, and the only complaint anybody would have is, you know, if you've got one course is insanely long, all open, and it's crazy right. windy, and the other course is all wooded and short, <clears> and you got 
shit conditions for one or the one of those courses on one day and yeah. you know then you switch but so but at the same time when he said the same thing he goes one end of the course could be wide open like the way we shoot now the the opening and closing side of the course could be wide open mm-hmm. and the back end could be you know could be fairly well wooded and protected and mm-hmm. you start on the back end and you shoot you know you start on target six or seven you right. shoot five or six targets where it's protected and the wind dies down then you get into the open area you're in the same boat as you were right at that point or yeah. the way it is now like you're staring straight into the fucking sun oh on your first two, dude on your first five targets <clears throat> if if you were i mean granted you probably it probably doesn't matter if you're starting on target 10 or 11 or right. farther down but right. if you're starting on the back side of the course you're you've got perfect lighting right because that sun is staring at the target shining into the targets and it's behind you right so so um, I wish that the one thing I was going to suggest to the guy, and numerous people were talking about this, the amount of money we pay as pros to shoot, we need to have our own practice range. It cost me $10 less to register with, with my pro certification and stuff. It, cost, it was $10 cheaper to register for Foley than it was for me to register for Vegas. Yeah. And what I don't get is that you get out there and that dang practice range oh, dude, is a- – abysmal zoo. somehow it wasn't i they moved it all and all to that uh farther down the road and right. they only had really only had two ranges mm-hmm. right correct but it for me it wasn't near as bad this year as it has been in, years in the past now. i agree when it's over by the by the vendors and stuff it's ridiculous yeah oh yeah and maybe it's, it's just because everybody's but it's still chunky packed. and didn't want to walk out there or what but, but i will say still i mean the amount of money that we pay there should be a pro practice range only for pros I mean, because it's it's ridiculous. You get that line is, we went there. What uh, we shot after when we got there on Friday, Thursday night. Mm-hmm. I think we shot like three targets after waiting two hours. Well, even going to the bags is, it's it's a long wait. I mean, oh, if you horrible. can squeeze into the bags, and I hate those bags too. Oh, no. dude, I shot fifteen arrows at the bags. I yeah. shot one at twenty, one at forty, and was like, all right, well, my tape's good, and ran out to the Braxton range. That's yeah. the only ones I. Shot. Yeah, just to check, make sure your bow had went wacko. Yeah, I just want to make sure I wasn't <clears> going <throat> to send one sail and at 50 yards at a three yeah. target. Well, I was trying to tell everybody, I know you, did you make a change on the bags? Four or two yards. I would say don't make a change in the bags. I mean, I'll move it just because right. I don't know. I know I'll be within a yard on a 3D target going from a bag to a, mm-hmm. to a target. Yeah. But For the most unless, part, it's, though, you don't unless it. it's way off, I usually won't move won't it. Move Generally, it. on a 3D target, I end up hitting... Uh, higher than what I do on a bag. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just because I'm aim- I aim at it different. If I, for whatever reason, sit on the top edge of the 12 when I'm trying to aim in the center of it or what. But yeah. I always hit, you know, between a yard and a yard and a half hot on a 3D target if I'm, right. if I have my indicator set. So pro tip, pro tip number one, do not change your anything, windage or elevation on a bag. Unless it's I'll just do, like I'll do really windage. Bad. Windage doesn't change yeah. from one side to the other for me. But my elevation was short two yards on a bag. I changed it, went and shot the team round, and it was right on. Yeah, I mean, generally it's pr- it's going to be pretty damn close. Mm-hmm. Like for the yeah. most part, if you depending on how you aim in a bag versus how you aim on a three D target, but for the most part, it's going to be pretty damn close. Yeah, I more do it because I don't want to lose and break arrows. <laughs> yeah, when I get to a, you know, if I get to the range and my rest moved or something funky, right. mm-hmm. this gives you a chance to make sure everything's. In the same spot. So everybody that was there, of course, and I think it happened to a lot of ranges, not just ours on the pro course, course, but did you have any problems with your ultra view in that sun? 
No. Were you seeing the pin clear, or was it just a smudgy? I had. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I run a number two clarifier, so it fuzzes out a little bit, but that's just due to the clarifier. Yeah. I mean, I have zero. And you're running a five or a six? <laughs> six. I, I was having trouble seeing. I couldn't see squat in the sun. I heard a lot of people you're complaining about it. Yeah. Yes and no, but my eyes are fixed. Are you running? Are you? You run a green pin? I was running a four with a green with a green fiber. I ran a fiber. Anderson talked me into doing a fiber instead of the dot. I wish I had the dot. dot I like the better. fiber way more than the dot. Yeah, it's so much smaller, dude. That even the smallest dot covers. Yes, I know it, covers it will way cover too much. half of the twelve or half of the ten ring at fifty yards. I agree with that too. So yeah, you're psychotic. Homeboy bought an eight. All right, Paige. Eight power. Tabanski bought an eight I power mean, lens. You throw a three clarifier in there, you can get that shit clear, but that yeah. doesn't matter how clear it Good is. Good luck holding that sucker. Looks like Michael J. Fox is holding <laughs> a bow. No kidding. Well, so did you, because uh, I'm thinking about running my fiber, running the full fiber and wrapping it. I know it's bright then. I mean, With just I, the, the, only reason I, the only reason I don't is because the tail. I, I hate having that tail coming the down. The tail I don't, coming down. I, I love the center drill because it does not matter what, I'm aiming off of you if I'm if I've got an arrow around the twelve somewhere that I'm using as a reference to aim off of it. Yeah, it doesn't matter where it's at. Whereas right. if I got an up pin and there's an arrow in the top of the twelve or in the bottom of the twelve, and I got to aim above it, you can't see it. I can't see that arrow and gauge how much I need to aim above it. Right, right, right. Whereas if say you and I are shooting together and you hit the very bottom edge of the twelve, and I just want to set my pin on top of your arrow, I can see. 360 degrees around, around the, pin. the pin. doesn't matter where you're at. If I need to lay my pin against an arrow to aim off of it, right. I can do that. Were you using your light pretty much every shot? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I never. Yeah. I always had my light on. Okay. I was just curious. But, I mean, I bet I never turned it up past. I mean, I never went to full intensity. I probably never even went two clicks from full intensity. Right. When we were shooting into the sun is when I had a problem with the bleed out, just in the, in the scope. There was a lot of sun at 730 in the morning. God. Yeah, so an umbrella. Gotta, that's why you got to have somebody holding huh? an umbrella. Even with an umbrella? No, the umbrella helped a lot. Yeah. I mean, we we I we were holding the umbrella for everybody on the entire front half. It was funny, though. That mm-hmm. first half on that front side, everybody was right. I'm talking six to eight inches right. There were more eight shot in that first five targets until people oh, figured dude, out I, that their fraction was changing. I, said, I, I moved my sight the first day. I shot the first one, and then moved it like four clicks right. And then... We made the turn and I spun it back eight spun clicks. Spun it back, yeah. Because I knew I you knew the light. Was I knew it was going to move it, so yeah. I went in and spun it like six or eight clicks back. And yeah, right and on. Didn't have to adjust again after that. Yeah, and pe- same in the first day. I added like three clicks. And so it was amazing. On the other half, we had three guys in our group. You know, the day two that were I'm talking eights a mile to the right, and I kept telling these guys, and I think. I learned something. I think the higher intensity your your lens is, the worse that is. Because I, I noticed that the guys that were shooting, there were two guys, one shooting an eight, one shooting a six. They were much farther right than the guys with the fours and the fives, like even mine. I got lucky. Mine didn't really move that much. I think I put three, two clicks in it. Mm-hmm. It was just minute. But I kept telling them, man, it's the lighting. You guys are, you know, and when we make the turn down there at number 11, you need to go back the other way. And they're like, what? And I'm like, I'm telling you. If you don't, you're going to be so freaking far left, you're going to be pissed. Well, now was the beauty of uh, the sit-out groups that we had. Yes. Because you could watch. I freaking I shot watch. on target 10. <laughs> I shot my arrow, turned around, and like watched every person step yes, up sir. to see, A, if they'd adjust their sight. If they did, I'd watch and yeah. see which way they moved it and where they hit. And if they didn't adjust it, where they'd hit. Exactly. 
So, I mean, I, I do that shit all the time. Same thing with, uh, I said the same thing about Lancaster. I'm like, God, I can't believe nobody, like nobody must have watched the finals (laughs) when they did this because every single person on the first arrow shot a 10 low left. Like didn't matter if you were on the left or the right, every person shot 10 low left. Yeah. So, and I learned that from doing the world archery stuff. You'd shoot, we'd sit there and watch the, I'd shoot on the practice range. and You'd always had to watch where they were hitting on the finals. Yeah. At least their first end. So same thing with that. Like once I made the turn, we had that sit up group. So we, and half the time, you know, a group in front of us or behind us got behind. So there'd really be two sit out groups. Right. And so I'd have eight, eight or 10 people to watch shoot that target before i had to get up to it so it made it a lot easier to adjust yeah environmental tendencies man you got to pay attention to them yeah and i mean you can't follow all of those to a t because a some people may may or may not have adjusted on the front side right or b they just suck so they're hitting all (laughs) over the place anyways and they just happen to hit in the same direction as everybody else right but i mean you you shoot this enough you know who's Oh yeah, who's hitting behind Absolutely. the pin for the most part, and who's not? Yeah, without a doubt. And you know, you can kind of make some quick we had adjustments a, and easy adjustments on that stuff. But just also some funny food for thought too. We had a guy, and we we shot next to each other last day, but not on the same course. But we had a guy hard calling, and we're in the so imagine we're in the next to last peer group. Cause that's how bad I sucked. This contributed to you being quiet. Too. Oh, dude, because I was ready to strangle the guy. I, I mean, he's, he's he's not given anything, dude. He's so I get on the fourth target out. You know, I'm I'm shooting pretty good, and I had a you know a liner twelve ten, um, and the other two guys were pretty confident it was a twelve. You could tell by the just some manners. I'm keeping score, so I'm staying out of it. And I happen to be shooting with Gavin, who's on our team, so that takes another guy out of the mix because I'm even made the comment, well, Gavin can't call that arrow, you know, and this guy's like, well, I know what I'd call it. You know, and he's pretty much making statements claim that. And I just said, hey, look, bro, I don't care how you call it. We're four targets in. It's not that big a deal. All I'm telling you is if we're going to call it that way, we're doing it all day that way. I just want to be consistent. You want a hard call? We're going to hard call every target, you know. Especially, and, and so the other two guys ended up over, over, you know, overruling them and got a 12. But then, which brings me to a good question, because we got in this debate about this. Um, we got farther down the line. This is after I had you know, shot that eight, five liner on a 20 yard target. And I was, lost my cookies. I had shot another one where, and you may remember the target. I think it was a black boar, but there was a big chunk taken out of the low 12 on the left side. And I, I'd put it right in there. I seen it clear as day, put it there, hit it. Um, we get down there and the guys, <clears throat> he had taken over kind of the calling duties at that point. You know, because the other two guys were tired of dealing with him. He yeah. Hard calling so much. And he got down there and I was so pissed off at this point. I didn't care. But he, we get down and he calls me a ten right away. And Gavin says, "Hey, yo, bro, you need to double look, check, take another look at that. There's no material over there, you know." And the other two guys made a comment. He's like, "No, that's a, that's an easy ten. It's not even close, you know." And so, which brings me to that rule because we, you, I think it depends on who you talk to. And throughout all of history, you got a big hole that's eaten out that you can't if you can't cuz you don't know where the you don't know where that arrow would have lied if it had material on the left side. Yeah. I mean, so I you're asking specifically yeah. if like a target do you, shot. How out. do you how do you call that one? I mean, I won't look for a way to call them out. I I would say for the most part if it's with, if it's within reason, like if you can reconstruct the line and it's I mean, even remotely close, a lot of times we'll like I would call those a 12 because you can't 
I, in my eyes, the way I call, I don't know what the specific rule is for a, for a damaged target like that, but unless you can 100% say, yeah, that's going to be out without, you know, if their material was there. Right. Like, I almost always call those in. Yeah. Now, I mean, some people are just assholes and like to look for ways to call people's arrows out. Yeah. But, which, I mean, there are guys that do that, man, and they're fucking ruthless about it. Oh, yeah. This is one of them. Well, that guy was crazy. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure he had arrows that were close. They all got called in. Though, well, right? it's funny you say that because when, when he said that, I got kind of irritated. I'm like, look, I said, Gavin, this is not worth it. I'm not shooting good enough for this to matter. Let's just pull the freaking arrow and move on because I didn't, I mean, it, you know, like I said, I'm shooting bad. It didn't, it didn't matter. Yeah. But, but what here's a, but the frustrating part is, is that, and then one of the, I think Gavin or one of the guys went in and said, look, here's a deal. If you take his arrow, because my arrow was like leaned over this way and everybody's arrows were like this. Mm-hmm. You take mine and straighten it. It's a solid 12. And what well, they were yeah, trying to say is you don't know where that point is. Right. We can't move it. But the whole point was, is that if there was material on the left side of the arrow. Yeah. It, went, it, probably, it probably wouldn't have kicked. That it would have, it wouldn't have kicked that way because the point was obviously in the 12. There was no doubt about yeah. it, where my point was. Yeah. I mean, I, I will always <laughs> try and look for a way to call somebody's arrow in. I yeah. will never try and call well, them out. That's why I, I mean, and I, I go back to the NFA <clears throat> rule book on how they teach their judges to call arrows right. you got straight down it and then from the left and from the right or top and bottom however the line orients right. orients orientates whatever the word is with the orientates arrow. yeah and if one of those three ways is in then, it's then in. you have then that you have to call the arrow in. right exactly. and for the most part every all the experiences i've had not all but a hilarious majority of the experiences i've had calling arrows in 3d have been that way where it's like okay it looks out from here hell i actually had one i had one on the first day i almost shot an eight on the leopard i hate that stupid target yeah but i shot a low 10 just outside the 90 degree rule yep and it will 100 percent looked out from the right and from behind it and you looked at it from the left that line curled down and went right to it no problem catching it and i i was worried i'm like oh fuck i'm gonna have to like argue this one yeah well there's no proctors in oh there's not which is odd because in the pro email that they sent us in December, it says you get a proctor if you want. Right. Uh, but like from the left, it was 100% in, and I was worried I had to, was going to have to argue for it. And no, I right. didn't have any issues with anybody saying, like, oh, yeah, it's in. Like nobody even questioned it. That's cool. So I'll tell you I, what, it was cool. The day one with like with Boardwell and TJ, I mean, those guys were what I call shooters callers. I mean, we well, had, yeah, some, they had I, some close ones, but it was not even. They wouldn't even think about it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, a, it's same same shit as baseball. Like, Ty goes to the runner. 100%. If it's close, if you can't call it out, you have to call it. Right. And that's the way I've always done it because, A, I don't want my, I don't want my arrows to get called out either. Right. And I'm sure everybody else feels the same way. Right. So I'm going to try, I try and call everybody's arrows the same, whether it's mine or somebody else's. Right. I mean, I always, now granted, you know, when you have unlimited arrow calls on world archery, there have been times where I've been like, yeah, we're going to get a judge on that. <laughs> Fuck y'all, we're getting a judge. And I've, I've made shoot from that, too. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, remember yeah. shooting against Matt Sullivan one year in Bangkok, and he had one where the line curled away from it. And I'm like, oh, man, it could go either way. Let's get a judge on it. And he and the judge ended up calling out, and we got into a one-arrow shoot-off. I shot a big nine. He shot an inside-out ten, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> He's like, fucking dick you made me shoot next your arrow just for that <laughs> so yeah, karma at least came challenge bit, me <laughs> karma came and bit me in the ass for that anyways yeah, but that's all awesome. yeah you always try i i always try and find a way to call an arrow in as opposed to find a way to call an arrow out right 
And there are certain people on tour that definitely look for ways to call air. Well, and even that, like you mentioned it a second ago, I don't think a lot of people are clear on that 90-degree rule down the lower side of that 12. No. On the outside 10 area. People, I mean, it's by rule, it's a 12 based off that, that, Mm -hmm. that, and they even have a sketch of it, I think, in the book. Yeah. Yeah, so you yeah, can see it, but book, everyone else looks at it and goes, oh, that's a 10, right away. Oh, bro, no. you better go look at the rule on that one. That's a 12, you know, and they, they're they clueless. I mean, I was surprised at how many people, you know, that I mean, I get like, argue those. I haven't had a big issue with that in the known pro class, but again, like we're, you guys we got guys everything. shoot, well, I wouldn't say we know everything, but well, we got guys that are shooting 17, 12 hey. in the 17 12s in a day. Well, let me tell you what I heard. So you want to hear something crazy, and you may know this guy. I don't know who it was. I don't remember. But so the, we had a couple targets. We, we had to shoot through the through the crap, mm-hmm. you know, really skinny lanes between trees. I know for a fact that you're by rule, and I did not know this rule, actually. You get two warnings Is, before I, you see, get I a zero. I thought it was one. No, apparently it's two because this guy did it twice. Oh, and well, that, I mean, I've always... And I think we're referencing the standing off the stake. Heck yeah. So they I, said homeboy stood so he to get a better view. So he didn't do it because he was afraid to shoot through the trees. He did it because he could see the side of the twelve yeah. better from an angle. So he stood I, off the target like two feet into the into the trees, bushes almost, but he was parallel mm-hmm. with the stake, did it flat I out see. on purpose, shot it, and then got a warning. That's all you get is a warning. But that he got twelve. Now, out of it. Was that a warning? Due to your group policing, or do the yeah, I think it was group the, policing. Yeah, so wasn't by the uh, range. Wasn't by the park. No, no, no. Proctor. But so, it's, but, but it's yeah, brilliant. Can, yeah, I did it once. I on one of the hell. It was on one of the close targets. Might have been the turkey or something. The close turkey we had on day one or day two. Right. Like the two air, a uh, two X cutters in the lower, a twenty three and a twenty seven in the upper, <laughs> both on the left side. So I just said. What the hell? I stood a foot to the right, so I just had a big giant backboard with a twenty three and a twenty seven, and bounced it off those two right. Put it right 12. in twelve, yeah, exactly. But yeah, it hundred percent. You get I see. I thought it was only one warning, but apparently it's two. I had this guy that I heard he did it two times, and then but that was it. He yeah, you can stand stand off the stake, and the reason they came out with that rule one year was we're in Metropolis, maybe. Uh, Donnie Thacker was. Shoot, I mean, he shoots left handed. He literally could not. We had a gap. I mean, it was like a oh, he three inch gap. Yeah, between exactly. Trees. And for him to stand on the stake and get through that, he would have had to do the, you know, the old Lean school over. IBO thing where you got the stake and you're like stretched <laughs> way out trying to shoot. Right. So, but he ended up hitting like four or five trees, bouncing it down like a pinball going down to the target. That's horse crap. So they, I don't know if that's exactly why they changed the rule, but after that, something came up and it, change so that you could stand off the stake a little bit yeah, and get one or two warnings. I don't know if that's per round, per so, weekend, or what it is. But. See, I had to do that on oh, that. You on, had to. On well, yeah, see, I, I, I not, only did it once. I mean, you can't stand on the stake. Correct. But on, Clearly. on day uh, on day two, we had that, um, I think it was like a medium deer, a hill country deer, that was into the sun, in between the trees. Um and I, for that one, I did have to move. Yep. But I remember I backed off the stake, mm-hmm. and I, I it was funny because the guys were laughing, and I, I kept on telling them, I was like, "Hey, my foot's still on the stake." <laughs> I kept I kept the stake at like the the left side of my my footboard, um, and that's why I was able to do it. So then the other guys in my group were like, "Well, since you did it, that means we can do it, right?" <laughs> Are you kidding me? And I was like, 
Uh, if you guys want to do it, I mean, it's not like so you guys are going to do any better. That's a good question about a rules clarification in your opinion. So I've always been of the opinion, I'm not opinion, but we've always administered the rule of being on the stake that you have to be straddled in the vicinity. Like we've never, I mean, I would consider two feet to be in the vicinity. Right. We've never been adhering to your foot's got to touch the stake. I mean, as long as you're not forward of it, right? I've never even heard that rule stated to me. Now I've watched guys stand in front of the stake with the side of their foot touching it. Touching it. Correct. Perkins shoots a lot of targets like that. Yeah. But I mean, I, I generally always just go up, stand all straddle. I go up and I'll, when I range the target, I'll figure out how I want to stand and then I'll range it. Correct. And 90% of the time, I'm just straddling the stake. Yeah. Now, I wish that they would clarify the rule to the point where it's similar to the NFAA rule for field for the shooting line, where there's an infinitely long line that runs parallel with the target. East-west, we call east, it. What, yeah, east-west yeah, of the shooting stake. And Correct. as long as you're on that line, it's a legal shot. Now, yep, I agree. I mean, obviously, you can't do that in ASA because the lanes are mowed three feet wide. But right. put that rule and just have it say if you're well, within the simple. mud path or put well, you get you get two foot. It's a two foot box. Yeah. Well, and it'd be and I think they're going to have to maybe address it with guys like Jason that are shooting now. Well, yeah, because Jason, Jason can't possibly yeah, touch between Jason and KJ. Uh, KJ shooting like yeah. Hell, KJ's running like an anti dude. Like it's a, a tank. Tank. It's yeah. a tank. Tank tracks. I mean, like, his tracks are right at three feet well, wide. Yeah. And, and here's the other thing too. Like Jason, when I was, I would range for him a lot. I would step back off the stake about two feet because I know where his chair is going to be. Right. Where he's going to be positioned to make sure he gets a accurate to a half yard because mm-hmm. in every time he was about a half yard longer mm-hmm. because they can't get up on that stake. So right. that rule would be perfect for these guys because. And I don't know if, I mean, I imagine in some degree that that'll get addressed. But. Yeah. It's not a big deal, but I just know that. No. And- but I know there are some guys because I heard it. I even heard it. I mean, and I've heard it even in when I shot senior 50 is it? You know, hey man, you gotta be. You gotta put at least one something on your body's gotta be touching that stake there, Vernon. Yeah, I mean that's a that's like that's so old that's school. an old whites rule. Oh, yeah, it's old school. <laughs> yeah, percent. No, you're right. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, I, dude, it don't matter if you're standing in front of. No. I, I remember when I first started shooting 3D. I'd man, I'm gonna get closer to the target, make it a lot easier, and you mm-hmm. do the whole like one foot and then step out as far <laughs> as you can to get as close to the target. Cutting, yeah, doesn't cut matter. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No, I was. It was interesting. It was a good, it was awesome. I tell you one thing I did love about it. I know Keith and Anderson, you know, shooting pro for the first time. We had a bunch of guys and they all sucked it up. I mean, I'm not afraid to say it. Anderson shot 18 to 20 points below his average and Keith shot, you know, got 14 points below. But I tell you one thing, the, the common theme was it was so much better. The, the, the atmosphere. Yeah. It's simple. It's professional. It's not, you're not going to deal with horse crap for the well, most part. I mean, I mean, you say it's professional. We're all just a bunch of bunch of kids out there goofing. Yeah, that's the true. Part. But, but, they, but is, they are it different. Is, it's very different. Very now, different. I, it's hard for me to talk about because I never shot amateur. I never shot amateur in any right. capacity, like in any capacity other than shooting youth. Like I went straight from young adult and juniors and the USA stuff and the NFA stuff straight into pro, right, and senior. So I never shot amateur rigs for NFA or ASA or anything like that. Right. But from everybody I've talked to that used to shoot amateur and then jumped into pro oh, it's or brutal. went from pro back to amateur, like, God, I fucking hate shooting with Dude, all the amateur it's guys. Brutal. It's brutal. <laughs> no. Well, it's just so odd because, like, I mean, they we're, worry we're about literally the stupid shooting things. for $15,000 a weekend. They worry about the stupid things. 
That's, that's and those guys are just every bit as cutthroat or more yeah. so than than us shooting for you know for to make our make our truck payment. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's horrible. I can tell you that. Because Keith even said he said I'll. I'm going to make one of these things because he's, you know, he's confident Keith can shoot, um, but he's he, a good shooter, yeah. but he just, he's just like, just based off the atmosphere and how everything runs, it's just a better, just so much better than K50, K45 and, you know, so on and so forth. But yeah, I don't know. It was, it was fun. It was a good weekend, but God dang, it was just tough, man. We just had a tough one for sure. We stunk it up out there and, I, and there's no excuse. You know, what's funny and I will tell you, and I don't hardly ever do this anyways, but my bow was shooting lights out. That bow was doing everything that it was supposed to do. There was no string go stretch. Back, go to go get set of strings. Go back to the bow. Everybody's been I telling know, you to shoot I for know. the last two years. If I can get it to hold where I need it to hold, it's going to be amazing. Because the bow shot amazing. Let me do some custom fab work on it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you joke. Take the string stop off. I, well, I was going to. We need to make a set of stops for I'll that bow. A set of stops. Yeah. Well, hell, the ones that I got fit on it. We were actually yeah, just I'm talking about those. that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I told Bridget Jason I, I, gonna, build a, I could build dude, it. Well, does his draw length have a yeah, hole to fit? Yeah. That's, dude, it's amazing. Yeah, because I need about another quarter inch. Well, then it'll make you feel a lot like the one you're shooting now. Yeah. It'll make it feel a lot closer. But yeah, it's... No, the bow shot good. I cannot blame the equipment at all. And, you know, typically there's always some, some equipment bullcrap that happens. But bow shot amazing. It was all, all me. I'll tell you one thing I did, though, and you'll appreciate this. And I may continue to do it. I haven't decided yet. So, you know, Boardwell and everybody was saying, God, you got to speed that goddamn release up, you know. So I went to the bags, and I started messing with it. And I'm shooting the new Ultraview, the hinge mm-hmm. shoe. And so I set resetting the shot clicker, you know, not the timing one, but the one that goes after the shot. Well, I moved it, and <laughs> I pull up on the next arrow. I go to full draw, and I'm waiting for the clicker. Wham! It shoots. I was like, whoa! There's no clicker, you know, and... Schnell standing next to me and goes, just leave it off. I'm like, hell no. I will send an arrow 10 feet over the back of a target. He said, dude, for real. He goes, I made that change. He goes, the best thing I ever did. So I thought, okay, I'll shoot another one. Draw back. Boom, shot another one. Well, dude, so it was crazy. I shot like all eight of my arrows, my quiver. And dude, I am moving everywhere because I'm freaking out because there's no click and I'm waiting for it to go off and it's not. So my pen is running all over the place. Dude, I got down to that 50-yard target. I got a wad of arrows I could have put in a 50-cent piece. And I was I'm, like, what you, in the hell? Like not having a clicker is what most of the most accurate archers on the face of the planet. <sighs> All the kids that you put in no click are like, how does, how does medicine taste, Scott? Dude, I mean, well, of course I thought about numb nuts over here, Bridger, right away, because Bridger's been telling me forever. There's, there's, there's no interrupt, unless you, which that release is one of the few that you can set to where the click works in the way that it's supposed to. Correct. Which the click is just, an audible expectation, thing. yeah. And well, no, it's not even that. It's an audible cue to say, okay, my hand is in the correct position. Should just be drawback, click, or drawback, anchor, click. But the problem is, everybody sets a release up, drawback, anchor, roll, pin on the dot, start aiming, then click. roll to click. Then, right. then you've got this domino effect going, and all of a sudden, the one domino doesn't fall over because it just stops because of that right. click, and then you got to start it again. Right. Whereas if you don't shoot a click, I mean, I have a click. I was talking to Dane about this the other day, actually. I have a quote-unquote click, but it's just me moving shit on my hand and more you, so than the release doing stuff. Because right. I draw back, I got my, I lay my pinky on top of my third, the third finger curl on my right. release. Right, And once I get anchored and then, you know, close to the target, I just drop my pinky and that's me 
clicking. You know, clicking. That's me yeah, telling that's myself, okay, my yeah. shot started. Like, ain't ain't no going back now. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as starting the shot process or starting the execution process. Right. So the click should be the same thing. Which the nice thing with those two moon systems. So, uh, the Scott Ascent, the UV two, and that new uh, that new True Ball, the execution. execution. Yeah, yeah, the new perks called the new executive, Parkinson. executive, executive execution, whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know the Canuck. <laughs> uh, but that two moon thing, you can actually adjust it so that, like, I like you shoot no click because I like feeling that release rotation that helps keep the pan the little bit of panic I have. Down. Right, 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 right. So feeling that release move is comforting to me. So you could set that thing to where, like. The UV two, I could set that to where I have the exact same amount of travel, but still have a click. Whereas right. if you have a fixed click, you get like eighteen thousand, like right. a, the longest click you could buy on a moon click or on the hook click is like a twenty or twenty-two thousand, which right. is barely anything. Anything, right? Well, I'll tell you what, it was so I I shot it all afternoon. I should probably run fifty arrows to it because I wanted to make sure my hand position was right, so I didn't send one two feet over the target. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was amazing how well it shot. I got really confident. Well, there's so no, get, there's li- no, like I said, there's no stop there's in no the middle stopping, of your, there's no but, interruption in the middle of your shot process. So we get on target number one the next morning and I pull out the fulcrum flex. I'm like, there's no freaking way I'm shooting this no click. I can't do it. So I shot the fulcrum flex for about the first 11 targets. And after I got that eight, five liner, I was like, I was so pissed at that point. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. If I send one a foot over the target, I don't care. So I pulled out that UV2. That sucker shot like a hammer after that. I mean, I literally, I didn't drop another eight, and I shot all clean tens. I think I picked up those two 12s to get back to even, then I blew the last shot. But still, um, big, big difference. And I will have to say I'm probably maybe going to put it in my coaching repertoire of take, take, take oh, the plunge. taking the click out. Yeah. Take the plunge. It is different. No click. Because it's there's no set mechanism, there's no oh shit I'm almost there. It's mm-hmm. um it it took the release timing away from me, which you know we all know kind of when our release goes. I mean you, the no click is hard though because you don't. I'm sure you probably figure it out eventually. I mean I've been shooting no click for the last fifteen years, so I I don't I haven't struggled with it, but I don't know. I but let li- me ask you a question: I, Do you I know li- when it goes off? You kind of know. Oh yeah, I mean, position I have probably wise. A, a, as far as like hand position. Yeah, like yeah. you know, when your hand gets to a certain position, you know it's about. To yeah, go. like I know it's gonna go. Right. But I, like I said, I also like feeling that release move, and I mean, we'll we'll bring him up here, but like uh, Joel Turner, Bodie's dad. Yeah. That's how he he te- as far as I know, Bodie does Bodie doesn't shoot a click, but he teaches to feel that release moving in your hand to know that like, Hey, this, if it's moving, Things it are has to go. Things are happening. And right. with a click, you just, you don't have enough rotation in the release to be able to feel it. Right. So, I mean, I've followed that train of thought for probably the last 10 years. Right. Maybe using his program without knowing I was, using without knowing program. it. Right. 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 But I mean, if you, if your release is rotating, it's going to go off. Right. And you can't feel it rotate when you're running a click. Yeah. And like, I, I don't care how much people say it's, a back tension release, a hinge release. It has it has to hinge yeah. in order to fire. Right. So you have to rotate the release. It doesn't matter. You could pull. You could pull as hard if you, as you got want. ten pounds of holding weight. You could pull until that thing hit that scale hits a hundred. Yeah. You're pulling straight back, and with zero rotation on that release, it's it never firing. Fire. It won't fire. No, it's never firing. So, 
I mean, it'd be the same as I'm trying to think of a like a gun trigger of some sort that would have that type of mm-hmm. like a, it's like a the double click, yeah, or, or the double sear. Uh, they call uh, that rifle triggers a preset trigger or when you have a two stage. Yeah, two stage trigger on yeah. a rifle. Yeah, where it's got a preset and then a yeah. Shit and a so set. same same idea with a hinge release. You, you that release has to rotate in order to fire. Right, and when you have that click, there's an interruption in that whole process. It's because you're starting the process. Okay, I'm aiming, I'm rotating, and then click. All of a sudden, you got it's thrown a wrench into your gear. So that's why I always try and teach no click or try and encourage guys to go without it. Right. Because, like I said, I consider or I compare my shot process to a row of dominoes falling. I just try and figure out what the last domino is, and I concentrate <laughs> on that. Because all the other dominoes in front of that have to be fall. Nothing. And, well, they to get the last to one. get the last one to fall. The others. I think go. about like what my hand feels like coming off my face on a perfect release. Yeah. In order for that to happen, all the other dominoes in front of it have to fall correctly to get to that. Point. Right. Right. So, I think of that as a. If, think of it as a domino process well if i start falling all these dominoes and i just want to keep it going until until i get to that end stage or right. until i get to the release firing so having something stopping that in the middle of it just uh, it to me it just doesn't make sense yeah exactly no it was i tell you it was awesome i mean i thought about you right away i'll probably continue to shoot it that way because it, it was you know but the one thing i'm struggling with um and i was even on the bags is that when i get to full draw do I relax a hand to create rotation or do I actually pull on the middle or the index or the ring finger to create rotation to have control? Do whatever and, one hits behind the pin more often. <laughs> well, how do you do it? Do you, are you push pulling one finger or are you relaxing? A uh, little bit of both. Like I'll, I'll relax my thumb because I leave my thumb on the peg for the most part the whole time. Yeah, I've seen that. I relax my thumb and then I'll think about continuing to pull the release back or pull the pull the bow back using my middle finger and ring finger gotcha so i'm relaxing and rotating kind of all kind of together yeah Yeah. goes back to bridger lesson number one well but there's no proper way only if it's repetitive right yeah if you can do it the same way every time like it doesn't matter how you do it as long as it's the same every time right that's why i usually don't mess with like guys that come in here looking for a new bow if their anchor is like really weird compared to what we usually teach people but he's been shooting forever I'm not going to tell you to do it right. Oh, dude. If you can if repeat you, it, do it. If you teach everybody how to shoot a bow or te- give a lesson to every person that comes into the store, like you'd never get anybody to leave because no. you'd be exactly driving yourself mad. Yeah. No. Well, it's funny because when I was doing the relax method, I really, because I know Jesse, I think Jesse Broadwater shoots that way where he draws back and just really starts to relax and open mm-hmm. the hand. One thing I noticed, so I have a tendency to start collapsing my elbow. Yeah, start creeping. and it's you start creeping. Well, and when and you that, do, you miss. And that's right why I I like thinking about pulling, you know, adding tension with my middle finger, like I'm trying to drive, pull that middle finger past, right, past the back wall of that bow, because that just keeps me engaged into the shot. I mean, I'm right. not physically like adding tension to the cables, you know, on my stops of the cables, pulling the bow back harder. Yeah, I'm more just thinking about the tension on that hand, and it needs to stay. Right. Or tension on that finger needs to stay up. So the other ironic thing I wanted to talk through, because we're I, I'm kind of wanted to go fully wrap up, but talk about some of the things that happen on a course that that may or may not help an archer. So the other the other issue I had, I got kind of as of my anger was growing and growing, shot to shot, I was kept telling myself, I know what my problem is. I'm freaking not pulling hard enough. I'm being a complete wuss on the backside. 
kind of go into a static shot. And when you do that, nothing happens. So I started concentrating, man, you know, rip this goddamn bow in two pieces, start pulling. And as soon as I did, my pin would start running freaking all over the place. Well, it's because you're shooting a limb stop bow. Is that why for real? Well, yeah. I mean, you get that, that pressure and all that tension has to go somewhere. And when you put it into something that doesn't flex, doesn't move, it's going to transition <laughs> Bro, back into your bow. Right? It's going to transition back to where you're holding the bow. Yeah. yeah. The two places that you're touching the bow and that's your release yeah. and your hand. Yeah. And the yeah. most instant feedback one you're going to see is your bow hand. Because that's the one that's trying to hold a four power lens. <laughs> that still, you know, on the yeah. trying to hold a four power oh, lens. Oh, it was still, terrible. So yeah, it was terrible. Which is why I like I love those cable stops on my bow, right? And why most guys like a cable stop bow. Now, a static shot in theory is more accurate because I mean, you nothing's just have moving. A, nothing's moving. Right now, I mean, you're not gonna. It makes it executing a release a hell of a lot harder. Right. Which is why, like. For the most part, some of the most accurate uh, target bows out there have all been cable stop with, you know, like a deflex riser or a firm back wall to where you got something to pull against and it ain't moving so much that it's going to change your arrow impact. But it's also got enough give to it to where if you pull against it, you got some sponge to move, you know, to where you're only moving the cable or the string slightly as opposed to that riser twisting into a pretzel. (laughs) Right. Which exactly. unfortunately is what happens when you have a limb stop bow. Like mm-hmm. that, that all that energy or all that uh, torque has to go somewhere, and ninety percent of the time it's going to go right back into the riser and back into your bow hand, to where it's going to start moving your pin all over the place. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, I, as much as I wanted to, you know, create a very strong shot, I was getting so much pin run. It didn't matter how much I was pushing on the front end, you know, trying to equalize mm-hmm. pressure. It was. God, it was running everywhere. It just made me madder. I was just getting more mad at that point. I, mean, I think if you would have gone even more static, it would have been better. You, you probably been able right. to hold a lot better. Just punch it. Yeah. You joke. I had a thumb trigger in my kit. I mean, for me, not taking my thumb trigger out was like like revolutionary because normally I would have pulled that sucker. See, out I would tell you, I would say that like it. if you are shooting a limb stop bow, a thumb trigger is probably more accurate, anyways. Really? That's what well, I. There's heard. less movement. You put I, your thumb on it, and you know you'd go through that rotation process that you have to yeah. execute a hinge. It rotates, a, you know, a ten thousandth of an goes, inch, and it goes thumb, it's that peg into your thumb, and it goes off. So it's funny you say that. I wanted to talk about this also. There's one common theme that you know because I know Keith and Anderson talked to a lot of guys they were shooting with, and they were shooting with a couple of good hammers, and there was a consensus, and maybe you can confirm or deny this, that the guys who are shooting thumb triggers on tour are shooting them to where. It, they're so light that they actually can't even turn them a certain way because they'll fire. Uh, I think they're that light. On who it is? I don't know how light Kyle runs his. I know Jimmy Lutz. If you take hit, like you literally can't turn it. Turn it upside. Yeah, the, the right. The weight of the thumb peg sets it off because it'll set it off. Right. I tried doing that with my perfects, but I guess the sear has a little give in it because I had one time. I said it's so hot to where, like, if I would kind of shake it a little oh, bit, yeah, it, go it goes off. off. Yeah. But when I drew it back, my hand, I didn't touch anything on it. I was drawing it back and it just went off on its own. <laughs> I launched an arrow into the trees. I was like, okay, maybe that's a little well, too hot. Just set your chain. That's just a travel adjustment. Yeah. Just, if you got to set that travel. light, you just change your trigger travel a little bit for the most part. On yeah. Those, but, so you think it's, that's 50 50? I think it's, I think it's just personal preference. Yeah. I would say that most guys probably run them fairly light. The punchers are running them light. Oh. Like a like a guy taking a, a thumb trigger and shooting like a true back tension probably haven't. I, I run my I would like 
maybe medium light. Yeah. Not, if medium is, you know, like. Well, you're trying to duplicate the same shot. Yeah. Like hinge. I have a very similar shot process. I, right. You know, to my hinge on my button. But I mean, I, I never shoot a button. No, never. I only ever do it if I get pissed off and send my <laughs> hinge down range and don't have another release. <laughs> Which is, like I said, the reason why I was shocked that I didn't pull mine out because I was pissed off most of the whole tournament. God, I was mad. I shot like crap, dude. God dang. Um, but the only other time I shoot a button is when I'm like on the four-yard target at Redding or, you know, an ultra-close target to where I'm, my sight is so high I can't get yeah. into my anchor point with my hinge right, release. Right, right, right. And it's so close I ain't going to miss anyway. Well, you know what's set and what's crazy, and I thought about this, like I was playing layup archery so bad because I was so afraid, like, if I go after these and I miss, I'm going to be like, you know, 20 down and be in last. Yeah, so I was you trying. don't go after them and don't hit them. You're going to be even, and you're going to be in the and same boat. And still be in the same freaking boat. Yeah. Well, I figured that out afterwards. I was like, yeah, I'm a dumbass. I shouldn't have done that because I played, I played layup archery almost the entire weekend and ended up yeah two down, four down. I and I haven't shot two down, four down in like yeah. eons. Gross ain't shoot seventeen twelves playing layup. No. no. Yeah, last year in Paris, I had that issue. I was playing really safe most of the day, and then I misset my sight, missed one. I was like, you know what? Forget it. I just like I went after every single one of them. I still didn't shoot great because I had sight issues, but yeah, you I, can't. You can't. I went aggressive it. though, yeah. <laughs> way I more mean, than shoot, I usually do. Shoot to your tendencies, but I mean, for the most, I ain't saying like if you're on a course that has all fifty yard targets, you need to be setting it at fifty and aiming right. at every single one. But play to your tendencies. Well, if you, you know what? Like if you generally miss low, yeah, shoot up, and you need to hit them, like shoot it uppers or at a quarter yard bear down on the lowers now i almost always if i if i like dip and have the shot fire i bounce up high all the time which is why i almost never aim at uppers and when i do i'll cut a half yard and aim and as connector. absolutely hard as i can at on the low side yeah so that if i make a perfect shot i'm you know half shaft low on it right because i will almost always if i'm bearing down on something i'll sit on it and be really good and then it'll just bounce up to the top and fire yeah so uh, that's why whenever I do go at uppers, I cut a little bit of yardage. But yeah. if you're a guy that dips low, dips low, and uh, when it fires with the dip bang or something, either aim at a lot of uppers with it right on the number, or add a little bit when you got to go for the lower. Yeah. But so you know what I found was really hard for me this weekend and I this past weekend I we had a lot of long bombs on some small targets like the the Wolverine, the Coyotes mm -hmm. were all out there. They you know. they I have never this is the first weekend I've ever shot the turkey closer than like 46 yards. You mm -hmm. joke. Yeah, exactly. But they will always put it's always Small the ones. the heavy, the Wolverine, the Lynx, Bobcat, yeah. Uh I think well they're going to start putting that and the uh, Coyote and the Coyote. The Coyote out there. Yeah. Um what's the new one? The Hyena. The Hyena. They put the Hyena I out imagine there. Imagine they'll start putting that one out yeah. there. But So what one reason I'm asking so when that target's sitting out there at forty nine yards, forty eight yards, you're you're not looking at a twelve bonus ring. Or no, if you? I can see rings, I'm aiming at it. You are, but like, usually I'm just hoping that there's somebody else that shot before me, <laughs> and you got a mark. And I got a mark. <laughs> but I mean, I would say I can if it's in if a target's in the sun, even on a black target like a heavy. Yeah, I mean, it's easier on like the heavy and the hyena, and I would even say dare say the leopard, even though I hate that target. Because you got you got you have spots and paint marks and stuff you can yeah. aim off of, but you know, like a, a deer target, a lot of time I aim off the insert all the time. Yeah, especially ones like uh, last year we had the anteater or the tapir or whatever tapir. it's called, but like the coyote and the wolf, 
that one, the the coyote especially, that insert is literally a half inch bigger than the ten ring. Correct. So I just I just aim off the insert like it's a ten ring, and I just float where I know the twelve's at in that insert, yeah. and send it. Mm-hmm. So, but a lot of times I can either see the core, I can see the core line, or if the target's in full sun, I can see the top of twelve or the top of the ten and the upper twelve. Yep. And I mean, I've just looked at enough targets. I know what my sight picture is supposed to look like when I see the top of the top of the ten. The twelve right here. I know I need to hold. You know, if the target thirty degrees, if down, the target's yeah. facing right, I got to aim. You know, caddy corner of that off to the left side, and it's facing left. I can aim caddy corner off to the right, right from the upper. So, no, you're you're just actually good strategy for sure. Um, because I I was just because I wasn't looking at them, and that's why. So, in your opinion, four power with no movement, and you just aim at areas, or would you go six power and deal with the movement so you can aim at a spot it just depends on how good you can hold yeah a and then also how clear you can get it if you can get a six power to clear like i i think you're nuts for not shooting a six if you yeah. can get it to be clear because after two weeks of shooting a six power it's going to look the same your whole pattern is going to look the same as it does on a four power right but if you just struggle like crazy to either a get it clear or b to get it slowed down enough to where you know you can comfortably make a shot then yeah probably shoot a four yeah because even if you can't see lines with a four past, you know, I would if you say, got a dot, for, I mean, if you have an arrow, yeah, if you got an arrow, you got some name off of, right. and it's easy, it's easy as hell to aim off of shit with a four power because right. it's not moving hardly at all. Correct. It doesn't take you don't have to be as far off of something, you know, two inches off of an arrow with a four power at fifty yards, you can pretty much just lay your lay your pin or dot or whatever aiming apparatus you're using against right. that arrow and it's going to be two inches long. right 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 mm-hmm. whereas a six power with a ten thou pin i mean you literally have to hold off of it in order so to get in, that two to three inch so in all reality with what five guys in a in a, in a group 20 targets you're only going to shoot four targets first mm-hmm. that's the math so every time else you got 16 targets you you pray to god you have a mark yeah right i would guess Coffee's getting to him. <laughs> Coffee's getting to him. Coffee. He's just old. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I like that six for three D, for three D a hell of a lot more. Because, like I said, it doesn't take. I mean, I shoot a I shoot a four power for literally everything else, mm-hmm. and it takes me two weeks to get used to to it. get accustomed to the sight picture of a six power. Which is funny. I I shot that six indoor, which I know is absolutely crazy, but. It, after a couple of weeks of, of dealing with it, you know, yeah, I guess my eyes same. just got used to it. And Your eyeballs get used to it. That movement becomes familiar as far yeah. as how it's moving and the, the rate of, you know, if you got a little buzz to it, which most bows, at least for me, a bow that holds well will have like a little, jiggle. it won't necessarily sit there and slowly float. It mm-hmm. just buzzes yeah. around the middle. And I mean, I, it just, it's a different, I wouldn't say frequency you just see a little bit more of it with a six power over a four yeah and like i said after a couple weeks it just it becomes every bit as natural as you know if the four power does yeah the crazy thing was it was harder for me to go back down to a four from a six because now i was used to seeing my dot mm-hmm. or pin whatever just sitting right in the x and that sight picture was was natural to me now and i go back to a four and I, i'm like oh i've been shit, so i've been pounding it. arrows out this week because i'm shooting that the, the texas TSA? and Dorfita. yeah and uh, Louisville in a couple weeks too, 
and I just sw- I'm switching back to my four because I shoot that for all my indoor, indoor stuff. Yeah, and like the first couple shots, I'm like, holy shit, this thing like, I, it may not it be moving, but I don't even like I can't see anything. Yeah, now. it it was weird pointing with the four again. It'll take a a couple of days for you to get used to it. Yeah, no, that's interesting, but yeah, I got a wild hair, and I'm gonna try this eight and see what it does. Probably just gonna end up chucking it, but well, I mean, by the time you put a like a number eight clarifier in there to get the stupid thing clear. Yeah. Like you, you're going to have to run a, you're going to have to put a quarter inch dot in there to be able to see what you're aiming with. True. <laughs> and that a higher string clarifier is going to drop the power anyways. Yeah. So, you know, the good question about that, I'm glad you're talking about it. So I noticed like the, I tried a six and I shot it. Okay. Movement was pretty bad, but I, all it really did was make my target smaller and clearer. Like I wasn't getting the magnification out of it. It'll just be sharper. Like it, it. A lot of it's going to depend on how strong of a clarifier you run, as well as how far out you have out your sight. sight. So you set your sight a little bit further close, in, anyways. Plus, yeah. you got a short. I mean, you got short. Short draw length, right? Length. Right. So a six power to you is going to be a completely different sight picture than a six power to me, or like Tim's bow, like Gillingham's bow. A yeah. six power is going to look like a fucking twelve power, yeah, <laughs> compared to us. <laughs> Because so he's words, so much further away. It's the same idea as if you were to take a take a magnifying glass. If you hold it right next to whatever you're trying to zoom in, it's not going to zoom in very much. Right. But if you take and pull, take it, put a foot away from what you're trying to zoom in on, it's going to look gigantic. Right. Same idea with lenses. The farther away from your eyeball that thing gets, the bigger. The more magnification you get. Correct. But you got to deal with movement then. So yeah. It's catch-22. So I reason, just get reason, used to it. Well, the reason I'm asking, I was just trying to figure out that I don't know because I struggle with being able to see. But then again, if you got you know in that class, you've got arrows to aim off of, so you should be. God, you can shoot no pin, you know, and or no lens, and you got a mark and just hit it. Just think, I don't even. I don't think Justin Hanna runs a pin. He doesn't run a or runs. He runs straight. I don't think. I think so. That or two something. Yeah, it's fairly low power. I know. A couple guys that run pretty low power. I would say the average is probably, four. I mean, definitely four to six. Four. Yeah. Perkins runs a five. I run a six. Tate was running a six. Uh, I think Tim was running a four. Yeah. I didn't look through his lens, but I would say most guys are running between a four and a six. So I also wanted to talk through real quick the, the whole, I know how you shoot. You aim at every freaking 12. You're aiming at an area that you think the 12 is at, mm-hmm. whether it be 50 yards or 20 yards, or at 20, you can see it. But, I mean, I shot with a guy who shot like 16 day one, who shot pretty fair. He was in his also his rookie year as a pro, and he was aiming IBO, adding two yards, you know, or cutting two yards. Mm-hmm. For the most part, he was shooting uppers the entire day um, and just shooting really effectively and doing it well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what's funny? Because of me struggling for the week, I was playing, I tried to play that game, and I can't keep my pin from going upper or lower. It's impossible. Well, that's why I aim at I can't aim I, IBO. I, I've I tried. taught myself to aim at the 12 rings. Like, I, to me, like, I playing the whole add and taking yardage off and stuff, I'll do that, like, a little bit if I'm trying to be safe. Like quarter yard, be safe. Yeah, yeah if yeah. I'm trying to play it safe, like I said, I always cut yardage whenever I aim at uppers. If yeah. I got a... If it's like a 52-yard target or something. You'll add a half. I'll add, you know, a quarter yard aiming at and bear down on the lower. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I, I've i always taught myself that I'm aiming at the 12. It's a, I know where my pin's going to be. Right. So why wouldn't I 
you know, try and aim where I want the pin to be. What like a novel I, idea. What a novel idea. A, you exactly. Know, hit what you hit, aim at. Hit what you fucking aim at. <laughs> exactly. So, but two yards at 52 yards. If I'm adding, if I'm at 50 yards, I add two yards. That two yards is way different yeah. than being at 20 yards and adding two yards. Yeah. You know, at 20 yards, adding two yards, I'm probably still going to catch the top of the 12. Right. At 50 yards, I add two yards. I might be four inches over it. Right. So, I mean, I. that's why, that's why I am so so anal about having a very crazy accurate sight tape and that I shoot enough arrows to make sure that my indicator is set correctly before right. I go out onto the range. Right. So, and which is why I think you guys are fucking nuts for not using like an actual calibrated sight tape over. Well, you know, I, over it was funny you say that I run the, what do they call it again? The Gunstar. colored ones. What are they? The Gunstar. So I run Gunstar. the Gunstars because those I, are, those here's are why I do good. it. Here's why I know it. I know if I'm in the green, I'm in the 50-yard range. If I'm in the in the orange, I'm in the, the 40. If I'm in the yellow, I'm in the 30. So I can quickly look, like, misdialing. Yeah. Like, if I get on target and I look and I dial it, you know, and it says 39, and I and so I should be in the yellow. And I walk up there, and I'm in the freaking orange. I'm like, I'll look at it and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I should be in the yellow, not in the orange. So I, it's a color thing yeah. for me. It mm-hmm. gives me a quick assertion to say, I'm in the wrong quadrant. Well, they I sell highlighters at Walmart. Yeah, I know. I know. But what was I going to go with this? Anyways, no, I was. Ta- I wanted to talk through that whether the, you think the majority of guys are aiming at them or they're 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 cutting at them, and playing the game. Basically, I mean, I would say. I mean, I guess I don't know for sure. Yeah, I would imagine that most guys that are, you know, good at holding and accurate shooters are aiming aiming at, the, at it, and yeah. then you know, playing it safe based on what that twelve ring looks like. If there's if there's three twenty sevens in one of them, like they're probably not. If it's three twenty sevens and then at forty eight yards, they're yeah. probably not bearing down on it. Hope you know, expecting the glance out. They're probably adding a little bit or taking right. some off, depending on where those arrows are at in the target. Exactly. But I don't. I would say the large majority are not playing the safe game to where they're always aiming at it, always aiming at IBO and adding or adding taking, or taking yards, yards off to off, hit right. hit one way or the other. Because right. to me, that's just it's very inaccurate to me because you're always playing a guessing game. Yeah, with that. Well, and if you happen to dip bang or something like that, you, yeah, if you're aiming, well, at, you're not, you're not, like I said, you're not hitting what you're aiming at. Yeah, your your margin of error is a lot. Is you have more margin of error putting it on the number and aiming at a twelve and dipping mm-hmm. and having it go off than you trying to guess how much to you need to add yeah. your how much you need to cut in order to get your arrow to drop. I mean, from the center of an IBO to the I mean, target's facing right, center of an IBO to the right side of the twelve ring, you got like a two and a half inch gap right there. Right. So you got to guess how to change your impact two and a half inches at forty eight yards. Yes, and then <laughs> you got to make sure that a if you get that right, then yeah, you're fine. But b you shade if you're right not right, you got to you know shade right and left a little well, bit. I know TJ was shooting half quarter bubbles a lot. Mm-hmm. He he flat out said it. He said, "Yeah, I, I had a quarter." Yeah, bubble some guys a quarter bubble. A lot of guys just aim off. Aim off. Yeah. I had a few. I was. I mean, I just added clicks. Yeah, right. because I knew just, I I just figured out how your many, windage. Yeah, I just shot the first. I shot the practice range both days. I knew which target I was starting on both days, so yeah. the direction I was facing. I just shot shot on the practice range, see how much I had to move my sight. Yeah. Sighted in left and right there, sighted in my indicator, went over, shot the first 
first half of the course, and then when we made the turn, I just spun it back. Spun it back around. So reason what was that's what makes 3D so cool. I think over like dots and FIDA and indoor and and even well NFA field is show a lot of technical stuff like what we're talking about now because of the, the elevation changes and stuff and the footing. But 3D, there's a lot more than just drawing back and shooting your freaking bow. There's a lot of strategy. That well, goes it's just that. it's there's it's not a there's no definitive aiming point for Correct. the most part. Or Correct. it's a it's a much less definitive aiming point. Correct. So how you get to that end result of shooting a twelve is going to be slightly different. From yes. Yeah. Well, so it's funny because I was, I was part of this whole episode. I wanted to talk about, you know, I'm 53 and I'm like, freaking, am I just too old? I had to be one of the oldest guys in that course. I think I was looking around. There's maybe one or two other guys who are maybe older, as old or older than me. So I struggled on that 13 hour drive home. It's just time for me to call it quits. I mean, am I just seriously. Just have an old man class. I know, but the old man class is this sucks. It sucks. You got some of the best archers on the planet yeah, in that class. No, but you, but you got to guess. And I'm not guessing. I'm not good senior enough. Senior known. Well, senior known, yes. Senior but, known had Paul Penrod, who podiumed at like every fucking Greg tournament Copeland, the last trail. Years. Copeland, Trail, trail yeah. Jablonski. Uh, there's a couple other guys in there. I don't know. I just wanted to, I wanted to go up there and see if I could hang with the well, it brings me to a point. So I thought about this, that, you know, I was chasing a speed number going into that tournament. I was looking for a bow that I can get fast enough. That's why I ended up going with the Ritual, because the thing is so freaking fast. I mean, that bow is ridiculous. Um, and it holds good for me. Anyways, I was thinking, you know, maybe I'm, and I was shooting 64 pounds. I had put enough, you know, I put 70-pound limbs on it, shot it at 64. But then I was going back to, if this is a holding man's game, like when I set up like Courtney's bow or Kenna's, they're at 50, 52 pounds. Them suckers, they just sit on a statue for me. They don't move. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to go down and shoot 50 pounds. You don't need to shoot 65. I mean, no. I mean, granted, And maybe even shoot an ultralight or shoot a, a 19. You got a three. You got a 300 grain arrow going like 260. It's going to move a hell of a lot more than in the wind. Yeah. Just get, I mean, that, that really, that's going to be your I didn't see that as a problem. Advantage. I didn't see that as an issue in that tournament. I mean, I had, that first day on the, like, once you got around targets, like, 20 or, like, 18 oh, through the 20 and the 1 sun, through 4, yeah. the front end of that range was a lot windier than the back end. Yeah. Because the they had that, that creek running, running through there, so there's a pretty heavy timber all, along that drainage. Yeah. yeah. So the back half of the range was a little bit more calm, but I mean, I was holding off probably an inch. Were you really? Mm-hmm. But I think if I went to like a if I went to a inch. super drive nineteen, I don't think it'd be the wind would. Be no, it wouldn't be as big of a deal. Nah. But again, you but you no, got a light lines. ass arrow going. Yeah. Okay, I've I've had this com- the whole lines conversation with everybody. If you got an arrow, so, and this is the main reason I don't shoot twenty fives. Okay, I shoot my I shoot my twenty fives. I can shoot a group the size of a ten ring. At 50 yards with my 25s. Uh-huh. I can shoot a group the size of a quarter of a 12 ring with my 23s at 50 yards. Right. So I would literally have to have an arrow the size of a 10 ring <laughs> for it to matter. For it to, you know, it's got to be that much bigger. Yeah. And you, you only get one side of the arrow because only one edge of the arrow is touching that line. So right. yeah, the, a 25 may be 264 or whatever it is, an inch larger than a 23. Mm-hmm. But you only get one side of that. So I'm, why would I go to a group that's twice or three times the size for one sixty-fourth of an inch? Right. Going from a 23 to a 25 or even a 23 to a 27 and my 27 is as good. Well, 
Honestly, and I, I mean, I can see where Jesse, I know what, three or four years ago when he won Foley with the X10. Shooting X10s, yeah. I can see where there'd be advantage though. When you clog up all those those big arrows in a low 12 and he's you still, only got a sliver. Jesse still carries around. He's got a sight tape on the back of, Dude, his, back of his sight. For I, I don't think it's 12s. that big of a deal. Because if, if, if you're a good enough archer and you can hit behind your pen, it doesn't freaking matter. Yeah, I, 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 will, I mean, obviously bigger arrows are going to be some sort of an advantage if they shoot Agreed. correctly and if they're forgiving enough. Agreed. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of that word, anyways. But if they, if they're accurate enough, right. with that bigger arrow, right now, for me, that 23 is probably one of the most accurate arrows I've shot. That thing almost always hits behind the pin, and when it doesn't, it's definitely my fault or my sight's a little bit off or something right. here and there. And I just, I they, my 25s and 27s at distance just don't shoot that good, so right. it's not worth having that bigger arrow. Right. It's like I say, 23 to a 25. You got a you're getting a sixty fourth of an inch coverage in advantage. Yeah. So you got your group cannot be more than a sixty fourth of an inch larger. Right. For that bigger arrow right. to be more advantageous for you. Yeah. I don't think arrow diameter is that important. I, after I, shooting this past weekend, once you get once you get past like a twenty two or twenty three, it's pretty. It's all good. semantics. Yeah, I agree. No, unless, I, unless your twenty sevens hit behind the pen, and you like playing. Defense. So do you? Do you think that going? Yeah. Do you think that going to like a two hundred and being on the wall of that two eighty, two eighty five is an advantage over a guy shooting two sixty? I mean, depending on your arrow setup, yeah. I mean, it, if you're if I'm shooting two eighty and I got a three hundred and eighty, four hundred grain arrow, that's a hell of a lot bigger advantage than shooting two sixty with like two hundred and eighty with a three hundred or yeah. three twenty grain arrow. Yeah. Because that, I mean, that thing's like a feather flying down there. It's not going to take any wind at all to move that, move that arrow shaft. Whereas, right. I mean, Perkins is shooting a twenty-seven. That's like four hundred and eighty grains or four hundred. Oh, I didn't notice grains. that. He shoot. He shot a twenty-seven. He's shooting super drive twenty-sevens with one fifty, and they are. I mean, they are fucking logs. Pile drive. But shooting. Tw- I mean, shooting seventy pounds or sixty-nine pounds or something. But yeah. even with that bigger arrow, he's got enough. He's got enough ass behind it. Yeah, he'll blow it up. Mm-hmm. So even with that bigger arrow, he's not having to deal with quite as much wind as. Yeah. I mean, I would say even as me because I'm my arrows are only like three sixty. Yeah. They're fairly light. That's crazy. But I like that lighter arrow because it. I mean, shit hits behind the pin. Right. 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 So. Yeah, I. It, I came uh, back with the intention of just shooting some twenty fives or twenty sixes, and then I thought, man, I, I mean, if they hit behind the, the pin, by all means. I'm but like that's you, the thing. If, if they can't if, group them, if they 40, don't group, it's not it's worth worthless. that larger arrow. Agreed. After after consulting my notes, say, oh, God, <laughs> no, my my twenty threes were flying the the fastest yesterday, but it kind of made me worry. And Bridger and I talked about this. I might go with a with the heavier spine or not because I was two ninety five. Ooh, on that's the twenty threes, yeah. Versus a two eighty eight. Yeah, but I can tell you with this two ninety five and ours, when you get to theirs, it'll be around two eighty two. Theirs is so slow compared to ours. I don't know, man. I've been on both sides of that chart. Really? Both sides of that number. I was only shooting I here I was shooting two eighty two out there. I checked, I was only like two sixty nine, two seventy. It was like twelve off. Well what Chris said they I don't came know out and right. checked like four groups and then left. <laughs> yeah. They I never got checked. I checked my I wanted to know. I, mean, I highly I know doubt I'm somebody like come right over and around, check me. Yeah, I'm like right around 280 or 285. Yeah. So I ain't like, at all worried about mine, but. Like, there's no way that crippled dude can pull 60 pounds. <laughs> He's probably pulling 40. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. You know, it's funny. I was talking to Jason that, you know, 
watching him shooting with, I got a chance to shoot with him, of course, day one, which is awesome, but watching him struggle with the, so you and I, so it'd be like an able body archer, you and I standing on uh, where we got a, 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 like our right legs on top of like a rock and our leg, left legs. Yeah. yeah. Completely really bad uneven footing. So I was watching him, his chair would be all over the place, depending on, you know, where we had, where he pulled up. I think personally that he needs to consider going to a DCX cam on that Hoyt instead of that strong SSVX. I, because the, the, what I was watching him missing all over was, I think, just not staying against the backside. Oh, I mean, 65% let off is 65% let off, whether it's a spiral or a DCX. Yeah. Well, I think he needs more. I'd shoot the cam, I'd shoot the cam that hits behind the pin more often for you. Oh, yeah. Well, I agree <laughs> with that. I just know that he was having trouble stability wise. He'd be leaning yeah, over well, sometimes. It also I doesn't help him. that he. The only arrows he ever shoots out of that fucking chair is at NASA. <laughs> NASA, yeah. <laughs> Which said that we were driving, or he was riding back yeah, on the second no. day, and he's like, man, I, I just realized I never practiced out of this chair. Exactly. <laughs> I probably should. <laughs> sitting, yeah. sitting here, I mean, shooting out of this manual chair, which I normally use for, like, world archery and stuff like that. I'm so used to it. It's comfortable. It's yeah, secure. Exactly. And I was so confident going out Bro. there going, man, I can, I can. I can shoot. Like I've been doing really I, good, uh, and then I, I get out there and I'm like, uh, I mean, that different uh, seat, the back on it's completely different. Oh, dude, it's different. completely different chair. Yeah. Well, I even told the guys. So I told Boardwell and TJ there. They never said anything, and because they're really, really two solid guys. But I was. We went down one day, time to pull, and I was like, "Hey," I said, "You know, Jason actually is a hell of an archery." And I'm like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Dude, the guy's got two world records in W1 in U.S. archery." And Boardwell about came out of it. He's like. What? I was like, bro, the guy can shoot. What? Then how did he <laughs> suck so bad? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those, those pair of guys must suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just tried to qualify because I was like, the kid is can really. He's actually a hell of an archer, you know. And they couldn't believe it, you know. And I was like, yeah, he's just. I said he's struggling with the footing. I mean, his chair is all over the place, and you know this and that because they they were in, like in shock when I told them that day one was just rough. Day Dude, two was a lot rough. better. It was. It sucked. Which is crazy because day a leveler. Yeah, hydraulics in it. Well, I thought you're, I thought that chair you could move the you the can. seat. Yeah, you can. You there was the there was a couple shots though where, regardless of how I was moving, I, my yeah. if my left side was if my left side is lower, he screwed. It it increases my draw length. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so yeah. So now I'm you're reaching. Leaning forward. Yeah. forward. Yeah. If it's if it's left side up, man, I'm money because now I'm super stable. You know, there's a good question on a rule like I because a couple of times I wanted to go up and grab him by the shirt and pull on him, you know, because I could see him struggling leaning Probably forward. Can't do that. You just walk into the timber and find a log and roll up onto that. You joke. I Which, mean, I think technically it's against the rules, but we do it all the time. But like I'm in here, Redding, so here's we a go, good one. We'll go grab a rock and stand on rocks. Could he have? Could you make a a um, wedge? A yeah. wedge and put it under his tire. Not a all I was guys yeah. in a fucking wheelchair. They ain't gonna say anything. No, I, I think they're gonna. Yeah, I think they were pretty accommodating. All I all I was doing was trying to find the most even. Yeah, like I was yeah. moving around quite a bit and trying to find the most. Well, even I know one one bit. shot. I even told Glenn and TJ. I said, "Hey, man, he's going to shoot off the stake to the right a little bit." And I mean, with I don't know if it's within. Oh, we don't give a crap. But wherever he wants to shoot, you know, I don't think anybody was going to call him out. No, on that stuff. well, and I don't know. I think as long as you're following this in the I, area, I always say the the spirit of the rule. Correct. Yeah, more so than like the rule itself right on any i mean that's on any given rule that's no. not just the stake rule like if i'm standing on the stake and i got a clear line of sight to the target and you stand on the stake because it, I'm you shorter. know if you're left-handed or yeah. shorter right 
wire whatever and you don't have a line like that's that's an unfair advantage towards me so you everybody should be able to have an equal opportunity to shoot a fucking do the ball same on thing target yeah so, yeah i agree you just can't go out there and blatantly well yeah don't waste be, a don't, rule yeah like, well i get a lot better view three yards ahead of you so i'm gonna go stand up. <laughs> well, I, i'll just tell you this there are two things that i'm gonna work on i'm gonna work on stabilizer bar setups and in my my clarifier to peep ratio, whatever I decide to shoot, so I can see, I, I, actually I, I take that back. I seen everything pretty well. It was all stabilizer bar for me, being able to hold, and that could be what you said. Let going to. I had shot a cable stop bow for what the last year and a half, two years, and then I went to back to that ritual with those limb stops, and maybe that was it. One well, the other thing that we were just talking about when you were out was you wanted to switch to a six power. Mm-hmm. I mean, try try shooting a six power. Start yeah, inside. Six. Why? That's that's you exactly why I shoot that or shoot those dots like make yeah. those those dot targets yeah. and shoot yeah. at those because i want to get used I, that is get what that i movement. get the absolute most feedback on because it's a small dot that at 50 yards my pin covers that entire thing mm-hmm. so i get 100 percent feedback for how much oh, i'm moving and it allows me to get used to seeing that much feedback in my sight picture gotcha no it makes sense that's why that's exactly why i shoot at those things but i think i think combination of that and also the release i'm going to shoot the no click and give it a run because i did shoot better groups with that no click than i did without it Mm -hmm. i mean it was pretty pretty telling even though i think there's more shot panic to be dealt with but i imagine it goes away after a while it's just a different type because i what i would do sometimes i would really get that sucker like this to make damn sure and then i've got so much freaking movement to get there Mm -hmm. the process was i mean once you get used to drawing back like i bet Find out where the position needs to be. Yeah, so like I still it. shoot that old Longhorn, and I bet. I mean, you've seen the old hook design to where oh, yeah. it's just that, you know, it's like five, yeah, fifty hundreds or whatever yeah. it is on the the width of that hook. Right. I bet half of that thing is hanging off the moon when I'm drawing back. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. Because <laughs> I don't. Ha- I mean, I I like feeling that rotation, but I, right. I still don't have very much. Well, I'll tell you, for those of us, though, you guys listening, um, I've always been an advocate of the click because it gives you a a a I'm on the edge of life. I need to be on the target. It gives you a hard aim, I call it. Transfer from soft aim to hard aim, the clicker I use for that purpose. But um, well, Yeah, but the fact that you are already aiming when that click hits is, in my opinion, is an issue. Now, yeah. every, obviously, everybody's brain works, works different, different. right? But I would say for a large majority of people, if you are actively aiming at what you want to hit, and your release goes click, and that's all of a sudden something. The distraction. Yeah, distraction. it's, like I said, you got that row of dominoes that's so falling, it's, and somebody's <laughs> taking and shoving their hand in between them. So it's so funny you say that, because I can vividly remember shots where I'm coming down into the 12, my pin is sitting underneath of it, that's where I like to hang. And I'm starting to move up there, when the click goes off, I, I would jerk the bow, almost jerk the pin completely out and go, whoa. Because you almost thought that, that was, was early. Yeah. yeah, that no, I was thinking, man, I didn't wasn't supposed to be there at that time. Mm-hmm. And then I have to go in. Or worse, I caught my, I did this twice and I should have coaching the 101. Drawing back, click. Ah, it's okay, I can do it. <laughs> and then I sit back there for a half an hour. <laughs> and with with uh with no click, even if you got your hand rotated forward a little too much or a little back too much, as long as that shot is moving, as long as you, your execution process right. has started. Right. And, you know, you feel, A, feel rotating if you like to rotate a lot. B, if you're pulling and transferring the weight from your index finger to your back fingers. Right. Like, as long as that is happening, it will, it, like, it, it has will to will fire. Yeah, right. Now, 
it may fire a little early if you you well, know if you didn't have as much ass on it as before, or it may fire a little bit later than you want, which is why you got to shoot a lot of arrows to understand where your internal clock is with it. Right. But as long as you're within that window of you know it's maybe it's a little early, maybe it's a little bit later than you want, but there's no interruption in your aiming and execution. Would process. you would you say when you are shooting the no click throughout you know you've been doing of course you said 15 years. Is your shot window pretty finite? I mean, is it a does it ever go off really uh, early or really late for you? Rarely. Okay. So there I would a, say more late than early. There is a repeatability that gets created. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I probably have like I don't know. I would give it like a three quarter second window, three quarter to a second window of it will fire if it's a good shot. Right. It will fire in that window almost every time on a good shot. Gotcha. Okay. I, I was curious about that. Well, that's pretty awesome. There's some good stuff. I mean, yeah, that tournament. Hopefully, it'll get better. It can only it can't get anywhere. If it gets any worse, I'm going to commit suicide, dude. I'm telling you, God dang, I was so frustrated. Don't worry. I, if there was any bridges there, I probably would have jumped off one. Yeah, I could imagine. I thought as good as you were shooting, you you were on your. You way. took it well though. I just, I was more <laughs> I'm like not lying. you took it well. Well, uh, so there's a difference between like being angry because I suck. Yeah, there is. And being angry because, like, I can't, there's nothing, I was upset because it's not, like, at the end of the day, I couldn't been like, okay, well, this is what, what went wrong. This is what I need to go home and work on. Mm-hmm. No, like, there's nothing. It's just somebody kicked me in the nuts. Yeah. The best way I could describe it would be if somebody just walked up to me, stared me in the eyes, and oh, shot wow. my dog. <laughs> like, it, and then just turned around and walked away. Like, yeah. there's nothing I can do. Yeah. You, yeah. you can't I mean, practice I can't, that. I can't come home and just to practice, practice setting my sight. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, All if you I'm not, is, like, in your situation, you're not holding well, okay, well, holding like shit, I can go home and work on my and bar. And work on that bar, yeah. And make it make it better. I mean, I can, yep. I guess I could well, I sit in the range and... Tell yourself Sit to. in the range and, like, draw post or draw index cards, cards and numbers and, and move and your site. <laughs> I mean, there's really nothing you can yeah. physically well, work on. That's That's the old adage of getting beat and losing. There are two different ways yeah. to do that. And in that regard, you lost. Yeah. I mean, uh, you didn't get beat because you were shooting was, pretty damn good. I mean, I I mean, I can't say that if I had – I guess if I had shot that one, I would have been at 42 up for the weekend if I finished exactly the same. Yeah. That would have put target. you That would put you in a If I had hit that tar- – 44 and then made the shoot off. You'd have been damn good. But also wouldn't have wanted to jump off the bridge for the next 10 targets. So I probably would have had a slightly different mindset. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that sucks, man. That's archery, and I tell you, there's this game will beat you in so many different ways. It's unbelievable. I I just gotta have get that attitude. I even thought, honestly, I even considered going and considering getting a shrink. You, I mean, no, I'm even kidding you. So so I can learn how to deal with adversity because I'm horrible at it. There's there's sports psychologists out there. I mean, I'm bad. Deal with this. I know a really good one. Yeah, I know. Okay, folks, listen, we've been on air for a while now. Um, I don't know what. We got tournament coming up in end of March. Is back to the second leg of the ASA Tour, which yep. we're probably all getting ready for now. Um, Bridger's got some indoor Bridger's stuff got to do. It. He's got some indoor stuff left over. I think you got indoor nationals as well as this yeah, weekend's tournament. Yeah, I got this tournament. one, the one that's coming this weekend, the Texas State mm-hmm. uh, indoor FIDA deal, and then- which – I mean, it's great. They decided to give away twenty five hundred bucks. Yeah, that's a good payday. So, yeah, go shoot that, which would be a good little warm up before uh, indoor national Louisville, which that's in 
two weeks. Two I weeks. I think I got and then you go straight from there to... I go from there to... To Benning. Yeah, for Benning. So that's a busy week for you, busy. Bridger's one of the few guys that likes to switch his shit around week to week. Well, I was, I was at talking least to a lot smart. of the guys out there. They were like, hell no, I'm not going to Nationals. <laughs> at least I was smart enough to, like, I just have an extra scope housing that I set up. I got my four power in and then... Switch it over. I, I probably fired, like, 12 different types of arrows out of this damn bow to try and find one to where I had to do the least amount of tuning possible going yeah. from my super drive 23s to these 23s. Yeah. And all I got to do is just shim, pop my cam back over. So are you shooting 23s for indoor? I got 23-15s right now. Wow. I'll shoot those. No 27s. Well, dude, I shoot more inside outs with those than, than I do. I mean, super obviously than I do with the 27s, but they're crazy forgiving right now. And yeah. Then I don't have to change arrows for the shoot off. If I, you know, in the event that I make the shoot off, I don't have to bring another another set. Another of set of arrows. Yeah, I was just, just about to ask. You're not bringing me. a skinny set? No, I'll just shoot these. Yeah, these things. Are, these are shooting as good or better than my twenty sevens. Actually, I'm averaging higher X count than I was with my twenty sevens with these right now. No so. kidding. Nice. Yeah, I mean, That's I'm, nice. That's good. I ain't shot a one fifty yet this week, but I've shot no less than a one. I think the lowest I've shot is a one forty seven after I got these built. That's cool. So I mean, I'm averaging like. 27 or 28 x games gotcha which i mean i'm i'm fucking stoked about like, yeah it's pretty damn good for me and normally i'm not a crazy high x country but still you're right I'm well i'll tell you that. what it's gonna it's we got a busy month and it's we're rolling right into outdoor season this is gonna be crazy mm-hmm. the, the damn weather would cooperate that's my only issue right now this it's been great the last it has this been. week's been actually gorgeous. yeah you heard what next week's gonna be like back in the 20s again Dude, I remember getting sight marks for Arizona Cup, standing in my parents' bedroom, shooting snow. out the fucking French doors <laughs> in snow. And I had to, I, I'd walk through the house, and I had a snow, took the snowblower from the garage, and I had to cut <laughs> a path from the back door to the target to yeah, get sight hell marks. Don't that. I? That's not good archery. Weather does not bother me we when it f- comes to what comes to archery shit. No, it's, it's looking like. 68, 76, 56. Oh, my God, 56. No, Scott, beautiful. you're going to freeze. Well, 32. <laughs> Look at Friday. You should have heard him yesterday on the yeah, water. Yeah, but that's in the morning. Stop whining. Cool. Yeah, I'm freezing. We have one day, 26, next week. 32, Saturday. 26, 32. Hell, though. That's too damn cold Yeah, but that's at like 5 in the morning. We do live in it's, South Texas. We're almost five to in the, the morning. Equator. 5 in the morning when the when We the are moon, like 4,000 miles from the equator. It's close enough. You've got to... <laughs> It's a lot think. closer than freaking no Dayton, Ohio, or Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> it's it's early in the morning when you're oh losing God. all that lunar heat. Yeah, <laughs> it's a real thing. Anyhow, I'm a fair weather guy. I just you are a fair weather. I'm a fair weather fair guy. Weather. He's more fair weather than I am. I'm bad. And I oh grew God. up four and a half hours south of here. I know, no shit. <laughs> yeah, he's supposed to be from Ohio. He's like used to snow and ice and no. freezing. There's nothing. That's used why to. he left. Exactly. <laughs> he has got the nail in the head. That's why I There's nothing cold and weather that's left why about him. I've been back like four times in 26 years. That's pretty bad. I need to go see my mother. Anyhow. All right, man. We appreciate you all listening. We'll catch you on the other side of this. Hopefully, uh, probably, I'm going to probably get maybe Randy Kitts from uh, Dart and Conquest and uh, Black Eagle on next week. Maybe we'll go, go talk to some more manufacturers. Talk about the state of the union with archery. Um, it's pretty good. I mean, I tell you, it was a lot of people that foley this weekend. So, Busy. archery looks strong, mm-hmm. and shop's still doing pretty decent. So, other than that, we thank you. Oh, it's got new colors. 
Boy Scout got new coat. Yeah, I've seen that. You Started painting that. their target boat. I'm only going to go there. Uh, <laughs> I just right, had folks. to throw that out there. Take care. See ya.